conspiracy, what do you believe? Welcome back to Conspiracies, What Do You Believe? We hope you've enjoyed our previous episodes so far. Feel free to contact us with any concerns or questions at conspiracytheory2018 at gmail.com. This is episode 5 on John D. As before, we are presenting you with unbiased information. It is up to you to decide what you believe. Now let's get started. John D. was born on July 13, 1527 at Tower Ward, London, England. He died December 1608 or March of 1609 at the age of 81. There is no official date because his headstone and church records are missing. His parents are Father Roland D. of Welsh, Welsh descent and his mother Joanna Wilde. His grandfather was Vito Du of Nantigrelis Radnorshire. That's a big mouthful. <laughs> right. Okay, John D. was an astronomer, or astrologer, mathemati- mathematician, and natural philosopher. He was also Queen Elizabeth the first advisor. He studied alchemy, divin- divination, and hermetic, hermetic. hermetic philosophy. He was very intelligent, possibly about the most intelligent man of his time. He was fascinated with magic and the occult. He promoted mathematics and was an expert in navigation. Magic and alchemy were closely related to science in his time. He was fascinated with alchemy and magic. He was influenced by the occult writings of Henry Cornelius Agrippa and his meeting with Jerome Cardin who was supposed to have been a wizard with clairvoyant abilities and could astral project. What's astral project? That's, I believe it's where you can uh, project yourself out of your body or tra- like travel around and see stuff without your body. He spent the last 30 years of his life trying to communicate with angels. He tried to learn the universal language of creation to bring mankind unity before the apocalypse. He was searching for a transcendent understanding of the divine forms which secret knowledge of yeah, life of God of everything that just about everything that he believed that if, if he could get this he could unite humankind into and make the world a better place. Okay, in 1535 to 1542, he attended Chelmsford Chantry School. And then at the age of 15, he attended St. John's College. That was in 1542 to 1545. And he also received his BA in 1545. In 1546, he was one of the original fellows of the Trinity College in Cambridge and he traveled throughout Europe. In 1548, he received his master's degree. He lectured at Euclid in Paris and studied mathematics and astrology while he was traveling. In 1552, he met 
Geralmo, Cardano, in, in London. They investigate perpetual motion in a gem that was supposed to have magical powers. In 1553, he was rector at Upton upon Severn. 1555, consultant and astrologer to Queen Mary I and others. He became a member of the Worshipful Company of Mercers. He was arrested and charged with calculating for casting horoscopes of Queen Mary and Princess Elizabeth. The charges were amended to treason against the Queen. He was exonerated, but was turned over to the Catholic Church for religious examination. He had to live with this stigma for the rest of his life. He would always be thought of as somebody that cast a bad horoscope against the queen because nobody wants to know the truth. They only want to know what the first thing was. Even though he was exonerated, he has to live with that. Yeah, everybody knew what he did and where the mouth got around. Yeah. Same way as it does today. You do something wrong, it sticks with you whether you did it or not. Yeah. In 1558, Mary died leaving Elizabeth as queen. She was more into astrology and was very superstitious. She even consulted Dee on a good day for her coronation. But Dee gained favor with the queen and he became a scientific and medical advisor to her. He published Papa, yeah, whatever that is. Papa Dumata, a foristic. Okay, this was his views on natural philosophy and astrology. Dee performed different jobs. A few are he interpreted, interpreted a comet's appearance. He counteracted a death spell upon, upon Queen Elizabeth because they found a doll, like a voodoo doll, that had yeah. pins in it in the field. And so he had to protect her with a spell or whatever he did. And the queen then, in turn, protected him from being charged with witchcraft. And the queen of France, Catherine de Medicis, was a regular of John Dee's. She didn't do anything without consulting magicians and diviners. And he also predicted the future of her sons. In the 1560s, Dee moved to Mortlake. There he built a laboratory and had made the largest private library in England. In 1563, he found a rare copy of Stenographia by Abbot Trithemius. He was a German suspected of wizardry. It is. It was written a hundred years earlier. It was about numbers, ciphers, symbols. D used this book to understand communicating with angels, and he wrote the book Monas Hieroglyphia because of the book. This was a single mathematical magical symbol as the key to unlocking the unity of nature. He had to have the secret oral tradition from his time period to interpret this. In 1570, he published the Preface to Euclid's Elements, one of his most published and important mathematical works. Alright, and uh, he was married three times. His first wife, Catherine Constable, he married in 1565 and she died in 1574 and they had no children. Then, after that, in 1575, he married an unknown woman, nobody knows what her name is or anything, and she died the following year and had no children. Then, in 1578, he married Jane Bromond, 
and she died in 1595, but they had eight children. She was 23 years old and Dee was 51 when they got married. She was the lady-in-waiting to Elizabeth Clinton, Countess of Lincoln. Well, she died in March of 1595 from the bubonic plague, and she was buried in Manchester Cathedral. Their children, Michael, who died in 1594 on Dee's birthday, which that would suck, yeah, having it? your own kid die on wow. your birthday. Uh, Theodore, who died in 1601. Then Arthur, Roland, and Catherine, they survived Dee. Medina, Francis, and Margaret. There is no record of them after 1604. They were assumed to have died with their mother from the bubonic plague. In the early 1580s, Dee became dissatisfied with his progress in learning secrets of the nature and his losing influence and recognition in the court circles. His hopes for political career ended too at that time, so he turned to the supernatural for knowledge. He wanted to contact spirits using a crystal ball. He was convinced that the occult powers of math mathematics to reveal divine mysteries. He was determined to contact spirits to help him find the elixir of life and the philosopher's stone. One day, when he was praying, a light appeared. In the middle of the light was Uriel, an angel. He gave Dee a crystal and said Dee could communicate with the spirits by looking into the crystal. They would appear to him and reveal the future. He found that he needed help because he could not contact the spirits and record the conversations. He had to get help, so he hired a medium. The first one he hired was Barnabas Saul. Uh, Saul got into trouble with the law shortly after, so Dee had to find someone else. So in 1582, he hired Edward Kelly. And Edward Kelly had lost his ears as punishment for forgery. Ugh. He told Dee he could communicate with the spirits. Kelly was not a good partner. He was an optimist, opportunist and was not to be trusted. Kelly was said to have practiced necromancy, the practice of magic involving communication with the dead, and being possessed by an evil spirit, it is possible that Kelly used D. He had D believe in what he said was true. Kelly knew delusion and ventriloquism. The spiritual communications were conducted after purification, fasting, and prayer. He believed contacting the spirits could benefit mankind. He said that through Kelly, the angels dictated several books to him and some in an Enochian language. He said the spirits he tried to contact were angels, not demons. He believed the magic he tried to find was good and not evil because of his beliefs he was a target for con artists. In 1583, Dee met a Polish nobleman. Dee, Kelly, and their families went to Poland. Kelly said the angels told them to go, so Kelly said it, they did it. Mm -hmm. So after that, in 1584, they traveled around Europe for four years. They continued their spiritual meetings, and Dee recorded these in his diaries in, in great detail. I would love to be a whole of diaries. Yeah. That would be in Europe, and especially Poland, Dee wasn't trusted and he was considered to be a spy for the queen. They didn't trust him, but they regard him as a man of great intelligence. Kind of funny, they don't trust you, but they believe you're very smart. Yeah, well, they thought that she was, he was a spy for Queen Elizabeth, so, yeah. yeah. Um, the Polish king was deeply Catholic 
and was very guarded about the supernatural, but he agreed to the meetings with Dee as long as any prophetic revelations were kept with the teachings of Jesus and with the approval of the Pope. Huh. In 1587, while in Bohemia, Kelly told Dee that a spirit told him he and Kelly were to share wives. Dee was reluctant, but finally agreed. Dee's wife didn't like Kelly. Dee broke off their association shortly afterward. Kelly was more in demand than Dee because Kelly was a famous alchemist. Alchemy proved long-term financial gain. In February 28th of 1588, Dee's wife had a son nine months after Dee and Kelly parted ways. Dee raised the boy as his own son, but, I mean, really, with their partnership, could have been either of theirs. Because at the time, Kelly was 32 and Dee was 60. Yeah, more likely that was Kelly's well, turn. I mean, you can't really say but you can't really prove that they even did it. Because they were so. sharing. Right. Well, you can't prove that they even they even did that because shortly after Kelly said that he broke the Dee broke off the uh, their association. So you never know. Yeah, shortly after, but probably most likely. Well, you don't. Most you likely, don't. I, yeah. I would say yes. Oh, okay. Fifteen eighty nine. D returned to England. Kelly stayed and became Emperor Rudolf I, first alchemist. When D returned home, he found his house had been vandalized, and along with his library of, of over 4,000 books, was ruined. Many of his books and instruments were sold, stolen. He went to Queen Elizabeth for help, and she gave him some money for his loss, but didn't cover all the loss. I mean, for the collection that he had at the time, which was one of the biggest and best around. Yeah. You know, it's almost uh, be priceless. Yeah, man. priceless collection. Who knows how many great works of law was lost because of just that alone? Yeah. And in fifteen eighty nine, Kelly got in trouble and was thrown into prison. He died while trying to escape. He broke his ribs and both legs trying to escape, and he died from those injuries. So, wouldn't that be kind of a uh, karma? Yeah. When yeah. you think about it, like so, he screwed over D, started to become more famous, and then karma kicked in, and he got what he deserved. But, yeah. <laughs> in 1595, the first made John D. warden of Christ College. He was a warden there until he died, but he didn't have much control over the fellows because they hated him. Who knows why they hated him? We don't know, but probably because he was very smart. Smarter than them, they hated him for it, or yeah. just. Well, you, you you know how like a lot of really really smart people just the way they act. Some people just can't stand it. Yeah. Well, that same year, John uh, Jane D died from the plague along with some of her children. And in 1604, John D quit keeping a diary, probably because he was so grieving. Well, he's grieving, probably grieving too. So old, just didn't yeah. feel the need of it anymore. There could have been many uh, reasons why he just stopped. Could have been losing his eyesight and just yeah, hurt. Because I don't think they had glasses back then. No, I think they, I think they did. Did they? So. Hmm. Right, like some of the pictures that you do see of him, he looked like he was wearing glasses. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1605, John D. went back to London. Queen Elizabeth had died, and James I was now the ruler, and he didn't support D. So John D. went back to Mortlake, and he returned home for. So he had to sell his property to support himself and his daughter Catherine, which uh, she took care of him 
but then he died at Mort Bay. On December 1608 or March 1609, but there is another legend that I, which I think is pretty interesting, is that he died at a friend's house in London, and the guy's name was John Pontius, and some suspect that he may have killed him. Could have tried to get secrets out of him or kill him to get him out of the way and further his... Or maybe John D was coming into some money and he wanted the money. You never know. I mean, back in those times, I mean, it could have. D believed that numbers were the basis to everything. Kind of like how a lot of scientists today believe numbers is everything. Yeah. And even standard sciences, occult sciences, everything, it's all about numbers. Even in a lot of religions, it's all about numbers. Yeah. Hermeticism believed man had potential for divine power and could be exercised through mathematics. His goal was to bring a unified world religion through healing, the tear between Catholic and Protestant, and recapture the pure theology of the ancestors. So you want to go back to the basics of religion? Well, I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, I see, like, on the sense of religion, like, I'm not saying there's nothing bad about it, but I, it was pure back then, and nowadays, you know, Mankind just, in my opinion, screws everything up. In 1570, D was an advocate of the policy of political and economic strength of England and the expansion into the New World. He maintained England discovered America before the Spanish. I thought the Vikings were supposed to discover America before anybody. Well, there's that, but this, but there's also that. Uh, I seen the one thing where they in, uh, or is it out in? Out west, they found a cave that had some ogham writing in it, which is the writing of the druids that was supposed to predate the Vikings. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, who, who knows who actually was here first? Uh, John Aubrey did a biography on John D, and he said he was a tall and slender man with a long white beard. He wore an artist's gown and was handsome. Okay. And then Robert Cotton brought property around Dee's house 10 years after John Dee died. He dug up the, the yards and stuff looking for papers and all artifacts. And he found some of John Dee's angelic communications, so that's probably his diaries, <coughs> I would think. Oh yeah, probably. Or, well, no, it, it was like a box that contained like three of his books or something like that. I can't remember offhand. Yeah. There is a lot of false and embellished information about John Dee. Well, somebody in his stature and his uh the mysticism about him and of course you want to have what people don't understand what he's doing then they're going well so back then you get you had your uh, religious zealots or whatever that if, if he was the moment they find out he wasn't purely religious they would just immediately think he was of the devil well and yeah because they'll try they to discredit him witchcraft. yeah they'll try yeah. to discredit him his reputation as a magician and working with edward kelly made him a favorite with tour authors well, I, I personally, I think his partnership with Edward Kelly was really his downfall. Like, it just brought all the negative. Yeah. Neg um, this hides what he was like. He was religious. He wanted to contact angels to see how he could resolve the problems between ca Catholics and Protestants. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't that be great? Look like you were the guy who brought back together basically dodge church all into one instead of having all these different denominations going around but using the same book with different messages yeah 
Queen Elizabeth I employed him as her astronomer because he was very intelligent and very religious. Yeah, but she was very superstitious too. But a lot of people back then were. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people still were. And she believed in astrology. Yeah. Or astronomy, or whatever it is. Okay, 20th century writers uncovered the roles that magic, science, and religion paralleled each other in the Elizabethan era. That was, uh, they considered everything all in one. That they all were part of each other. They said there was no other intelligent published writer in history than that has been continuously misjudged and slandered than John Dee. And generations of people who were not would not stand up for him, like people knew what he was like, but they wouldn't say nothing. It could be said that he was too intelligent for his time, and he was ahead of his time. Right, like. A lot of people thought the same of what Tesla and Einstein, they were too smart for their own good and ahead of their time with their ideas, especially Tesla. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, they all fall into the same category. The people thought he was weird, but it's just because he was more intelligent. Yeah. John Dee was a serious scholar, devout Christian, avid book collector, scientist, one of the most learned men of his times. His library was the largest in the country until it was vandalized. It took great personal expense to create such a library. It was one of the finest in Europe. He was also an astrologer and advisor to Queen Elizabeth I in court. He pushed for the colonization of North America. He was also into the occult and contacting angels. So he dabbled in just about everything. Yeah, but if you look at it, <coughs> he was a devout Christian, but then they said he was into contacting angels. That would make people think, well, was he really religious or was he in witchcraft? Well, well, I wouldn't say witchcraft because... Well, a lot of people back that time yeah, would probably no, think because it was because if witchcraft. it wasn't a... Witchcraft was like one of the biggest things back then, but I just find it more of he learned everything he could from the Bible and wanted to learn more. He just didn't, didn't know where to fully go, so he was just trying to contact Because, like back then, like a lot of people still know, if we were to hear God's voice right now, since our body's full of sin, we would die. So, the next best thing, contact the angels. Yeah. And I, what I found interesting is he wrote it in his manuscripts and books in English instead of Latin so that the general public could, could read yeah. it. And so usually he, back then it was all Latin. Yeah, well, you kept it Latin because the normal, I guess you would say the normal people, most of them couldn't read Latin. It was more of somebody who just went to school. So when you had uh, high priority stuff you were studying, and you did it in Latin so nobody could just come and steal your stuff because they wouldn't know what they're reading. Yeah. But he did it in English because he felt it was for everybody to know, not just for the elect few. Uh Let's see, in the Voynich manuscript, John Dee was supposed to have owned it and sold it to Rudolf II per Wilfred Voynich, who bought it in 1912. It is all an illustrated number of pages in an unknown writing. It was carbon dated to 1401 to 1438. The Voynich manuscript itself is probably good enough to do our own episode on it. There's like so much behind it, and a lot of people are still trying to decipher it. Like, a lot of people are even trying to say it's in an alien language. Dee was supposed to have owned a copy of the Book of Soiga, also known as 
Aldorea, a book of magic from the 16th century. I'd like to get a hold of that. So, uh, um, so his works in 1564 was the Monus Hieroglyphica, 1570 Preface of Usage Elements, <coughs> excuse me, 1577 General and Rare Memorials Pertaining to the Perfect Art of Navigation. 1582, Mystical Rule of Seven Planets. And there's something else I find interesting about that, too, where it says seven planets and occult and religions and a lot of other things. The number seven is a highly regarded number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's, to me, it's just kind of funny seeing the Rule of Seven in some of his stuff. And the British Museum has several of his artifacts. Some of them are the Speculum, or it's a mirror. It's an Aztec volcano mirror. The small, small wax seals that used to support the legs of his table practice. That's probably just the table. Uh, the seal of gold, it supported the crystal ball. The gold amulet engraved with one of Kelly's visions. The crystal ball and a shoe stone. John Dee is a popular figure in literature even to this day, especially in fiction mainly dealing with the occult and magic. In 1596, The Fairy's Queen by Edmund Spencer may have reference to John Dee. 1610-1611, The Tempest by William Shakespeare. Prospero may have been modeled after Dee. Excuse me. 1840, Guy Fawkes by William Harrison Ainsworth put Dee in as a character. 1927, the Angel of the West Window by Gustav Mayrink. John Dee is one of the main characters. The Necronomicon by H.P. Lovecraft. John Dee was the translator. In 1993, The House of Dr. Dee by Peter Ackroyd. John Dee is one of the main characters. In 2000, The Merchant Prince by Eamon Shimmerman and Michael Scott. John Dee is the main character. 2006, Stoneheart by Charlie Fletcher. D is the plot's main antagonist. And 2010, The Bones of Avalon, a historian mystery by Phil Rickman. John D is the main detective looking for the disappearance of King Arthur's bones during Elizabeth I's reign. Burn Your Books, a play by Richard Byrne. The relationship between John D, Edward Kelly, and Edward Dyer. Dr. D, an English opera by Damon Albarn about his life and work. In his diaries, John D. recorded his dreams, spirit rappings, and when he thought he saw spirits. Not a lot of his diaries survived, but in the 19th century, one of his diaries was found. It contained these travels, and he believed Kelly had discovered the secret to the philosopher's stuff. I would still love to get a hold of his diaries. Like, oh yeah. I mean, maybe not the exact ones, but like uh, at least a photocopy of them. John B. did mathematics to do horoscopes. He practiced numerology and alchemy. He looked for occult codes so that he could talk to angels. D.'s work was always mathematical. He said that they. He said that many thought mathematics to be disreputable and related to witchcraft. In 1485 to 1603, the Elizabethan era, math books were burned because they were thought to be conjuring books. In John Dee's times, mathematics were supposed to be related to natural magic, part of the occult dealings with natural forces directly. D 
de-represents this natural magic tradition. And what I found interesting was the last name D in Celtic is Do, and it means black. Celtic. Oh, whatever. John D had visions of the elixir of life in the Philosopher's Stone. His visions became real to him. He was persuaded that he was the favorite of the invisible. Enochian language was spoken by the angels and spirits in the Garden of Eden. He recorded hundreds of spirit conversations. Enochian is a bunch of non-English letters. When they ran, when they were ran through a computer analysis, it shows to have been a grammatical relationship to English. Some magicians suggest that Enochian language predates human language. The letters slightly look like the Ethiopian alphabet. These records were elaborate enough to convince readers that they represented a Hebraic language. It could possibly have been that Enochian was a code used to send messages to the queen, which I find is interesting that he could have been a spy. And that was that language was him sending messages. And he was also the founding member of England's Secret Service. Was he the first James Bond? Very well could have been. Yep, because he was signed his letters 007, which the letters for the queen's eyes only. Zero zero represented eyes, and the seven was the lucky number that offered protections. In his travels, he was supposed to have been spying and not for spiritual meetings. So he was that was just a cover up. So he could have been more so, than what people thought. So when they wrote the new story, like the books and movies about James Bond 007, did they still have that in mind when they called him 007? And the queen had a number of spies, and the pope said she was an illegal ruler, and that she was always being threatened with plots against her. So John Dee would have been a great person to spy for her and a member of the Secret Service. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would think somebody who was into, like, the occult numbers and stuff, you wouldn't think of them being as a spy for the government. That would be a good cover-up. So he was really, well, you don't really know, but see, there's... Sides to a person, you don't really know what he was really like. Well, everybody has, they say, two sides, so yeah. All right, so now that you heard all the information that we have on John D, what do you believe?